2: .com and definitely check out those shows as well. Hi everybody, happy Father's Day to everyone out there who celebrates. I hope you all have a wonderful day. We do have a new show coming soon called Dads Don't Have Time to, but I'm not going to spoil any surprises about that now. I hope you all have a really great day. The episode for today is about Jeff Hoffman's book called Other People's Children, a novel. Jeff quit a perfectly good IT job in IT consulting at the age of 47 to return to school to get his MFA in fiction. He enrolled at Columbia College, Chicago, with a cohort comprised of students closer to his children's age than his own. Jeff had started turning one of his short stories into a novel when it won the Madison Review's 2018 Chris O'Malley Prize in fiction. A few weeks after he graduated, Simon & Schuster bought Other People's Children. Jeff lives in Elmhurst, Illinois with his wife and two children, and I hope you enjoy our episode. Happy Father's Day. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss other people's children.
0: Thank you, Zibi. It's very exciting to be here.
2: And, uh, I know I was just mentioning to you, I have your hardback, but I've seen your amazing paperback and the new design and it's very cool. And I really want to talk to you about, I, I mean, I, I kind of love the idea that paperbacks let you rebrand a book altogether, right? right. I mean, right. how, how involved were you in the two different covers? And then I want to talk about the book itself.
0: You know, I was, I was involved in, in both the paperback cover was actually one of the choices that was considered for the the hardback. And mm. And was the the one that I lobbied for, but you know, the uh, Simon Schuster chose the uh, the the cover that they chose, and, and I just love the the paperback version of it because it it really prepares the reader for what they're they're going to read as, as part of the story. So you know, I, I feel that the the hardback you know kind of presents it as a, a love story to a certain degree, and. It really, for, for me, it's a story about, you know, busted expectations and a, a story of, of of literary suspense and or domestic suspense. And, and so I think the, the paperback just, you know, presents that more or, or better and, and allows the reader to expect things more accurately.
2: And could you tell listeners now what, what the book is about? And then I want to ask you sure. some other stuff.
0: Sure. So uh, Gail and John Durbin, they're 30-somethings living in downtown Chicago, and they they move to the suburbs when Gail first becomes pregnant, and she miscarries three times before they, they turn to adoption to build a family. Uh, Carly Brennan is a, you know, a struggling teenager. Uh, she's pregnant, and she uh, uh, chooses to place her, her baby uh, for adoption and chooses the Durban's. And um, she feels like she's made the right decision until her domineering mother, you know, embarks upon a campaign to change that decision. And... The Durbins bring Maya home and fall in love with her and start to mend their fractured marriage. And, and they have her home for about four days when they learn that Parley has chosen to reclaim her baby, which she has every right to do. And the Durbins, rather than giving the baby back, decide to run and they disappear.
2: I love how in fiction you can just live out like what if we just did this what like, if what, right what would happen <laughs> right like i'm not really gonna do it but if what right. i mean you know how would i do it <laughs> I, yeah I,
0: I was in a book club and some some of the people were saying i'm not sure i i, I i'm not sure i'm buying that this family would run and one of the women in the book club said well i was in this exact same situation and in california you have a year to reclaim your baby and <sighs> in california and, and she said we had talked you know, there they was, for a while it was on the edge and we had talked about what are we going to do? Are we going to stay? Are we going to go? And so, uh, you know, it's it's something that people really face.
2: Well, people will do all sorts of things for their sure. children. And I think the line of when it becomes your child or not is right. very blurry, which you yeah. call attention to. It's like yeah. one of the main Things you know, so on the co- on the the last thing about the covers on the hardback it says R.J. Hoffman, and you made the decision on the paperback to say Jeff. And I know there was some not controversy, but some people didn't appreciate the fact that you were a man writing from women's points of view, which is ridiculous. And especially because John has many chapters of his own yeah. in here, so mm-hmm. he's just one of many. And then you wrote this amazing article at Fiction Be Fiction about sort of the right to decide what you can write about and who should write it and what stories you can tell, which I just thought was amazing. I well, mean, so true and so important. And yeah. So tell me, tell me about both you coming out as like the male author here on this book <laughs> and that the, decision and all of yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, the, the, the decision to go with initials was Simon and Schuster's along with the, the cover. So my my mother's still a little angry about that. I'm happy happy <laughs> to see how things turned out with the paperback, and and you know they they put my picture on the cover right. Um, so it wasn't we, we didn't hide the fact that I was a man or
3: you know the the
0: correct pr- pronouns were used in the in the bio and all that. But I think they chose not to lead with that because it is it's a story of uh, it's a story of families. It's a story of, of mothers. Um, I certainly didn't set out to to write a story about mothers. Actually the the uh, the short story this was based upon was from John, John's point of view um, entirely. And, uh, but then, you know, when I, when I started telling Carly's side of the story and she was, a, you know, a birth mother, right. You can't, uh, the birth father was gone. The, it really became, it shifted from John and Gail's story to Gail and Carly's story in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And so you, you there is a more representation. And, you know, when I wrote that, that PW piece, I, you know, I, I should say that I'm, I was real careful to distinguish between cultural appropriation. Yes, and, you were. And writing from a different gender, right? And I, I value a lot of a ton of the books that have, have come from the own voices movement. And I certainly don't mean to to say you can write whatever you want and say whatever you want about yourself. But but I, I love the you know I I you know one of my favorite books from the last few years was Fleischman is in trouble. So uh, good and. You know, uh, that, that's written from a, a a man's point of view, kind of wrapped in a woman's point of view. But if it's a man, it's a man's point of view that it's being told from written by a woman. And I just she nailed it. Right. She just killed it. And um, that made the book better for me. So I. You know, I, I think that it's it's a conversation that our our culture will continue to have, and and happy to participate in. I'm just terribly sort of really excited that my book got published. So.
2: There's another book I don't know if you've read it called "What Is Missing" about infertility and a father and a son. You should read that. Um, okay, it raises some of the same questions and is written by a man mostly. Okay. A- About from women's point of view. It's really beautiful. But anyway, same, same type of thing that also has like a little triangle situation. But anyway, but your article too, I mean, you shared a lot and can I just like quote from your article if I can find it, if I can even read it. Let me get my glasses (laughs) on, my my middle-aged tokens here. Okay. So let me just jump to this. You said, was it my story to tell? I could t- well let me start. Let me back up and make it a little bit better. Um, I'm probably not the first new writer. Oh, that was funny that you're reading all your reviews. Some of the most impactful characters in the book are women, and the assumption that I was also a woman suggested that I had succeeded at some level in writing those characters well. My favorite reviews remain those that refer to me with female pronouns. I was troubled though by the reviewers who found it problematic that a man wrote the book. Other People's Children tells the story of a couple who, after struggling with infertility, adopt a baby girl. The birth mother decides to reclaim her child after four days, and the adoptive parents choose to run rather than return the baby. Was it my story to tell? I could tell you about the moment I first laid eyes on my own adopted children. I could tell you about the fierce love that hit me like waking from a deep sleep into a bright light. I could tell you that the book for me is about shattered expectations and the pain of separation from a child. I could tell you that my daughter was living in a residential treatment center while I wrote it, struggling with mood disorders layered atop autism. And I could tell you about all the expectations that experience shattered for me. I could tell you that although other people's children is not my family story, our story litters the margins of the book. Oh, that's really beautiful. Well, thank you. Talk to me about sharing your own feelings, but channeling it through other people, and how fiction right. serves as such a great receptacle of that. Um, right. And maybe touch on your own experience, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, sure. You know, my my daughter will will talk about it as much as I will. I, I, I'm careful when I talk about that experience to to try to you know talk about what I went through because that's that's a part of it that I own, right? That. Um, there's part of it that my daughter owns that, that um, is her story to tell when she chooses to tell it. The but uh, when, when, she, when she was 13 or 12 or 13, when you know, kind of puberty hit, she has always had autism and and bipolar disorder got layered upon upon that, which is a, can be a, a tough combination and it was a violent year for our family where a lot a lot of bad things happened before you know with multiple hospitalizations and self-harm and violence and and, you know before we made the heart wrenching choice and she was part of that choice enrolling her in the residential treatment center so when uh, and it was the toughest decision that the toughest time i've ever been through right and as I was going through my, I, I quit my job at 47 to go get an MFA. And that was during the time that my daughter was gone. And so I, I my first semester, I, I wrote, I wrote a bunch of short stories. And I, I went there knowing I wanted to write a novel, right? That was the thing. And I wrote a bunch of short stories. And, and gosh, I looked at them at the end of the semester to choose a novel out of from one of them. And Lo and behold, I, every single one of them had this distance between a, a parent and a child, right? And I said, "Well, I guess that's, I guess that's the theme that we're going to attack here." And and I chose the one that that um, drew me the most. Again, my my children are adopted, but they we didn't go through this adoption story. And for me, this is about you know you, you go into life, you go into adulthood, I should say, thinking with all kinds of expectations. Everybody does about what you what's going to be available to you, what's going to be available to your children, um, uh, you know, with happiness and opportunities and and being free from struggle. And then, you know, it happens to all of us um, at some point and at some level that those expectations are are not met. And Mm -hmm. this is uh, for me, the book was about how do people react uh, and what's the how, how do people react when they're met with the, sh- the shattered expectations and what do they what do they do about it and how do how do they treat others when when that happens hey i'm Ryan Reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise
1: prices due to inflation they said yes
3: and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said what the f***
1: are you talking about you insane hollywood ass
2: A month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Have you found that a lot of people are reaching out to you as a result of your story to share their own experience? I, I have.
0: And, you know, I hope that's what comes out of it, right? That, you know, people are able to, you know, see that what they, what they see on Facebook every day isn't what everybody experiences. And last, last summer, I, my daughter had a rough year last year. She's doing much, but she's been home for, since the beginning of COVID. So there, there's, there's, you know, if, if you ended right now, there's a happy ending. Um, it's all how you frame the ending, right? She, But she had a rough year last year, and, and um, we were going through a bunch of med changes. And we're, we were we were out at our lake house, and I took a picture of a beautiful sunset, and I posted it to Facebook. And I said, it's really idyllic, isn't it? I said, yeah, my daughter and I are at the lake, you know, trying to survive some, some medication changes after a, a hospitalization for, for mental illness. And, and I hope that helps somebody else out there that is scrolling through everybody's graduation pictures and prom pictures and, and understanding that, you know, it's not like that for everybody. And a lot of people responded to that. And because everybody goes through stuff. Right. And it's, it's you know, so easy to to, you know, present that that beautiful side of things rather than the true side of things.
2: But then you miss out on all human connection, (laughs) (laughs) then you're like completely as, you know, on the surface of the water as if, you know, there was nothing down below. So yeah, Yeah. you could do it, but what a loss that would be. I mean, there's also when you have a child with a a future, that's not as you predicted, you also have that sense of loss. Like you are grieving something that you thought was happening, something that you had assumed would be the case. And then you have to not only, Confront the challenge of the everyday, but let go of what you thought. Yeah. And that's a loss. I mean, that's also like, I feel like people go through a lot of the grief response in addition, but they don't know that. And they, so they beat themselves up or they're like, why am I angry? Or why am I denying it? Or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I every, think there is some application of that.
0: And, and everybody deals with it in different ways. I know when my daughter was younger. Uh, and it was just autism. We were dealing with those were the, those were the days, right? Oh. But <laughs> My wife would, uh, You know, she would align all the therapies and do all, buy all the toys and get all the books and, and, and she dealt with it differently. I I said, just stop and enjoy the moment, right? And, and live in the moment. She said, I hate your optimism. And I said, it's it's not optimism, it's pessimism. It's going to get a lot worse. (laughs) We got to enjoy right now. But I I I say that to speak to, you know, different ways of of dealing, but it's also, you know, with with my, I, I have great empathy for the struggles that my daughter goes through, but she brings something to our family that no one else brings, and... You know, she brings a very, very different way of looking at the world that makes me laugh twice a day and three times a day. And and so that that diversity in a a very specific and metaphorical ways is definitely made our family richer.
2: Can you go back for a second to the decision to quit your job at 47 and get an MFA? <laughs> you just kind of like glided right past that. Okay. So what were you doing before? How long did you want to be a writer and didn't do it professionally? Were you doing it on the side? Like, give me that whole yeah. story. So,
0: yeah, so I, I, I was born uh, – I, I, my, 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 my father was a, a – a, uh, a high school teacher um and my mom was a dental hygienist so you know when, when i was growing up and and the funny thing is they our tv broke when i was like second grade and they didn't replace it until we all hit the honor roll in the same quarter and that wow. took like two years and so back then there was nothing to do but read right so i read and that's where, kind of when i fell in love with it and. Um, but when I went to college, I got a finance degree and then I, cause I went to a mediocre college, I, <laughs> I went into IT because you couldn't get a finance job. And so, so I, I started a company with, borrowed two grand from my parents and started a company with a, a, a friend from college. And, and we worked hard enough and we're lucky enough to be successful with it. And we sold it and we, you know, four, four years later, we bought another one, grew that, sold it. And so I, you know i kind of I would say I kind of earned you know I, I was lucky to have the opportunity to, to do that, but you know at the same time earned it and she, the I had written between those two companies for about a year and a half. I wrote you know two books that'll never see the right of, the light of day for very good reason and then um decided hey, if I'm going to do this i'm I'm almost fifty you know always doesn't last forever. I've always wanted to do this. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to school. And I, it was funny. I told everybody at work, of course, cause I stopped showing up. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I, uh, I didn't tell any of my friends back in Elmhurst, the, the novel set in Elmhurst, that's where I live. And I, my rule was that I wouldn't lie. Like when somebody asked me how's work, I would say, well, actually I'm going back to school. And they'd say, oh, MBA. And I'm like, well, kind of, <laughs> not really though. And then they, after I told them what I was doing, they'd just kind of stare at me for a long moment and then walk away or, you know, or else tell me about the novel that they were planning to write someday. So then I went back to school with a bunch of 20, 30 year olds. There was actually a a retired woman uh, who uh, helped me, you know, feel part of the senior cohort, but it was, it was, it was great. I, I, when I went through undergrad, I did the bare minimum to get A's and B's and didn't learn much other than how to deal with people. And uh, which was a really important thing in the end. Um, And, but when I went back to my, from my MFA, I, I knew how valuable this time was and I knew you know, after working so hard over the last three decades, I, I, I knew that this was my shot to do this thing that was really important to me. So I, I, I spent 60 hours a week either writing a novel or working on schoolwork. And I, yeah. so I, I really treated it as a job and got got way more out of it than I would have if I did it when I was 24 and, and was just trying to get my MFA. I didn't really care if I got an MFA. I wanted a novel out of the deal.
2: So. Wow. So how soon after you graduated, did you write the novel and sell it?
0: So the the novel, I started writing my, the end of my first semester. So I finished it. uh, It took five semesters to finish. And and I finished it at the beginning of my last semester and started submitting it. And the Harvey Klinger, my agent, Mm -hmm. he, I got about seven folks to read it. And I did the, the cool, the cool thing for me, the thing that's maybe exciting for other writers is I kind of went through the front door. I just sent things to people in New York. I, I knew zero people in New York and, and sent it out to 45 agents. And, and Harvey was one that replied and he said, Hey, I really like it, but you need to change all these things. And so I spent two months rewriting it as I was, you know, hoping another agent would make me not rewrite it. And, uh, <laughs> they, they all rejected it. And I, I resubmitted to Harvey and, and he signed me up the first week of January. And by the second week of January, it sold at the Simon & Schuster.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: So, I was like, what? That was like, my, my daughter was in, she was still in, in the RTC at the time I was driving her home for a weekend visit. And when Harvey called and I reacted in a way that you can only imagine. And, and she said, this, "This is the happiest I've ever seen you. Is this the happiest day of your life?" And and I said, "I said yes." And then I had the common sense, to <laughs> to Dad, <back> dad, <laughs> dad, except for the day I married your mother and the day that I adopted you and your brother. <laughs> oh my gosh!
2: Wow, that so, is a great. I love that story. That's such a wonderful success story. I love it. Actually, my when I graduated from business school, I tried to write a novel. I mean, I did write. I wrote a memoir that we made it a novel that I made and I worked on it for like whatever. Anyway, that was my agent. My agent was Sarah Kreb, but she worked with Harvey Klinger. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. They didn't sell my book, which they should, which I understand now in retrospect.
0: (laughs) I understand on my first two as well.
2: Yeah. I never should have, you know, if there's one piece of advice, I feel like everybody needs to hear. It's like, you must have two finished novels tucked away somewhere in your house. When you were saying that I was like, I should design like a, like a three novel like storage file cabinet so that people know they need to fill up the first and second one before they have the third one they can submit, yeah. you know, like it's, yeah. it's okay. It's not, you're not it, supposed it, to sell the first one.
0: It takes more than 85,000 words. It takes about, you know, 750,000 words to get the oh, that
2: sounds, No, don't say that. I, no. that's, that's literally like so overwhelming. It makes me want to like never type again. Oh my goodness. 750,000 words. Oh my gosh. Well, it shows that it can happen when you're ready. You know, it, it,
0: you know that that's the fun thing. And I, I was old enough. You know, I was 51 when, or 50, I think, when I I, I sold it. And I, I, you know, I was just giddy. I couldn't sleep for it. Like I, I slept for like three hours that week, just because I, I would Aww. wake up and say, "I have a novel. I'm going to have a novel." So and I told my wife at the time, "I'm like, you know, that I, I'm old enough to realize that now is the best part." Right. It's unsullied by whatever everybody else thinks and, you know, sales numbers and reviews and all that stuff. It's like, I, I. Done that thing, and and you know, the the rest will be fun in its own way.
2: I've had goosebumps fun. like four times as you've been telling me. <laughs> they just keep like going <laughs> up too. and down. It's, it's, it's so exciting, and yeah. What do you think it is? I mean, I feel the same way as you. I know every like so many authors do. Like, I feel like there is no greater thing than like selling something you've been working on, right? Like getting that. Is it the validate? Like, I, I mean, I literally can't explain as you, I mean, as you felt like there's nothing better, but why, like, I don't know. Like, why is it such a big deal for writers? Like why do we get so excited? Do you, is it, <laughs> right. that, is yeah, it like, that we need the validation so badly or is it that, do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, that, I, I
3: hear
0: you. Cause I, I mean, I spent the rest of my career selling stuff, right? Right, Like um, there are other accomplishments. IT services, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and those weren't nearly as fun. Selling <laughs> companies was kind of fun, but the, uh, but, you know, I, I, for me, it was it, it was the lottery ticket idea. Right. I, I was old enough to to know that I was probably going to come out of my MFA with a book that would get rejected. And then I'd go back to do the next thing. Right. And I, I knew going in, I was not going to be successful, but I was going to take this shot. And um, so that's part of it. And, you know, part of it is that that things move so slowly in publishing from short stories all the way through to, to agents, to novels, that this was one of those times where, where, you know, lightning struck. And, and it, the, I think the other part of it is that you put so much of yourself into the, into that novel that, I mean, you, st- I see, I stared at that. I, I moved those words around for 2000 hours. Right. And on top of the, you know, four or 5,000 that I'd already invested in trying to write. And, and with, you know, four people reading it, five people reading it and nobody else caring. <laughs> and, yeah. and so they, the, you know, the, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot at, at risk, at, at kind of emotional risk when you, yes. when you set aside time in the middle of your life to tell people that you're going to go write a novel and tell yourself that
2: you're going to go write a novel. I love reducing it to i moved words around i moved words around when you said uh, i moved words around for 2000 <laughs> hours like that's it just writing is just moving the words around yeah
0: that's you all know. it is it's that's just words it. it's just words uh, words like in a word back little
2: little forklift just like picking them <laughs> up and putting them somewhere else nothing, like in the sand <laughs> and so i heard you have a second novel coming out what is that
0: I, actually it's it's with my agent right now so oh
2: it's um, with your agent okay second novel written okay.
0: yeah so then i started on my third uh it's about four boys who 18 year olds who get in a fight in a Burger King parking lot as you know, 18 year old boys do. And they, they kill one, one of the other boys and, and maim the, the second.
2: And that is not what 18 year old boys usually do. And, but that but
0: it's, <laughs> I, I would say that in my experience where I grew up, yeah, I felt like is. every other weekend, it was kind of it's kind of on the edge of that, right? All right, okay. And, you know, everybody's seen that almost happen. I think yeah. okay. most 18-year-old boys have seen that almost happen. And so they, their friendship fell apart. They uh, don't see each other until they're 50 and one of them dies. And um, they see each other at the funeral. and The, the, the dead man's uh, wife happens to be a journalist and seems to know a few things. And all of them have, you know, kind of wrapped around that center is – are, are stories in each of their lives about the kind of the rots that, that happened is with the, with the lies that they told and the withholding that they've done. And, you know, one of them has buried himself in, you know, corporate law and another ignored his family. Another is he'd become a, a uh, broker of torsos for, uh, medical device companies and, uh, <laughs> and uh, has a, f- a flawed relationship with his wife. And a third has a wonderful relationship with his wife and has gone into the trades. But he, his wife happens to be the, the prosecutor in the in the county that they, they killed that boy. So um, things are complicated.
2: Wow. Interesting. So. I like it. And you're working on a third. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I'm doing right now. So I better get up at 7am and start writing.
2: So that's why you were up early for this
0: interview. (laughs) (laughs) I I understand now. I have to get my thousand words in. I have to get my thousand words in. (laughs)
2: I get it. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much for chatting today. This was so fun. And thank you, Cindy. I feel like this sense of like pride in your work now. Not proud, like <laughs> I'm like invested in it. I like want to hear about the success, and it's it's very exciting when you know more of the backstory to to thank you. enjoy them. Anyway, you know what I
0: mean. <laughs> Thank you for being excited about it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I still get goosebumps when I tell that story. And, and that's what you know keeps me coming back to the desk every morning. Thank you so much for spending the time this Thank morning. You. Talking Thank about. you.
2: All right. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.
1: warbyparker.com slash covered imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time